It's September 1995. I'm an English major at the University of Toronto. I need to get a book from Obard's library. I'm on the right floor. I think I'm in the right section. And 20 minutes later, I can't find the book. But I found tens of thousands of other books instead. Almost three decades later, I am back at Robards, and more specifically, I'm entering the Faculty of Information for a conversation with Professor Beth Coleman. So in Sidewalk Labs leaving because of COVID or whatever the public argument was, it doesn't mean that if you go down uh, King Street West, you are not sniffed and surveilled and um, extracted. Sure. You are. Beth Coleman is Associate Professor of Data and City at the Institute of Communication, Culture, Information and Technology and at the Faculty of Information in the University of Toronto, where she directs the City as Platform Lab. Working in the disciplines of science and technology studies and critical race theory, her research focuses on smart technology and machine learning, urban data, and civic engagement. She is the new director of the Black Research Network. Her current research investigates human narratives and digital data in global cities. Hi, Beth. Hi, Randy. What is kind of post-pandemic Toronto, what do post-pandemic cities look like? That is the question of the hour. At a certain moment in between, I guess, 2018 and 2019 in Toronto, looked like it was going to be sidewalk labs. Yeah organized by Alphabet Group, which is the, the parent company of Google, etc. Mm -hmm. And we had this kind of iconic moment of the prime minister like shaking hands with the Alphabet founders. And essentially, it felt like kind of the key to the city was being given away. Mm -hmm. All these deals were being made very publicly because this great technology company was going to bring great tech to a great city and make it even greater. And then citizens got involved. We saw people organize, activate, and protest, whether it was in the form of questions at open meetings, just question the whole process in mm -hmm. terms of, indeed, whose data is this? Who is running the city? Yeah. And a really valuable public discourse around, we have city governance. We have people who are elected into office and then people who work for them who are selected by these people who've been democratically elected. And these are the people who've been the stewards of city services, making sure policy, procurement, all those things are handled appropriately. And it was really, a culturally and on every level quite jarring for people mm -hmm. once they start to understand well, what happens when an American private company comes in and they, they gesture at providing services that historically had been municipal services. Mm -hmm. In exchange for data, in a sense, about my behavior, my movement. Yeah. Now, it's, it's a bit complicated and it's a bit convoluted because they said, look, we're designing this we're not gonna store your data, we're gonna have levels of anonymity, but there was no clear demonstration in terms of, so then what's your business model? Mm -hmm. Is this real estate? 
Are you testing technology here that you're going to then scale and sell at a global level? What exactly is the model here? Because to even pretend that this is not a for-profit endeavor would be just silly. Yeah. That would not be a smart city. That okay. would not be a smart now, city. About another term that you use in your work, what's the difference between a smart city and a thriving city? Ah, uh, okay. So um, during the first summer of lockdown COVID, I was part of a group organizing a thriving city engagement in Singapore. Mm -hmm. Now, Singapore is a really interesting and complex site in yes. terms of, you know, you have a city, nation, you have um, very strong centralized government. Um, you could use some other words to perhaps to describe. trade-offs to be in that place. The government of Singapore, yeah. that's right. Um, and we had, you know, essentially an expat billionaire from Japan who said, I've made all this money, now I want to invest in thriving cities. I want to bring great minds across the world together to think about how we can design for thriving. The field that I work in, in relationship to kind of information and civic engagement and design is science and technology studies. Mm -hmm. And in science and technology studies, there's a core valuation of the socio-technological. Mm -hmm. So when I teach my intro class with, you know, 800 students at ICCIT, one of the concepts they learn is socio-technological because the argument is it's never technology by itself. Mm -hmm. It's never a medical framework or practice or vaccine by itself. It's the whole culture around it in terms of the types of outcomes mm -hmm. that we see. Then let's think for a moment about the culture of a city. So we've talked about smart cities, we've talked about thriving cities. Each one of them could be assigned a certain kind of intentional motive. In a small H way, whether it has to do with data and surveillance or EDI concerns, what is a healthy city from your vantage in a post-pandemic context? I do hope that that is the language we're using now. What is a healthy city? Um, so a healthy city is one in which instead of putting our head in the sand and acting as if new generations of technology are not already here, mm -hmm. they are. So in Sidewalk Labs leaving because of COVID or whatever the public argument was, it doesn't mean that if you go down uh, King Street West, you are not sniffed and surveilled and um, extracted, sure. you are. So a healthy city is one in which we recognize um, and there's communication and there's agency in terms of how these technologies exist mm -hmm. and how we're interpolated in relationship to those technologies. So as citizens, as people, or as people who live in the city, moving down the street, instead of information being um, extracted invisibly, mm -hmm. how do we better understand what information does the city need to say move the streetcar well? The King Street pilot was a pilot run probably about four years ago. 
and it's the origin of what has now become the digital infrastructure plan for the city. Mm. So in my uh, research affiliation with the part of the trusted data sharing lab at Schwartz Reisman and my affiliation with the School of Cities, mm -hmm. what we're working on is socio-technological recommendations. We're doing case studies in terms of how are data flows organized within the city. Mm -hmm. So my group is specifically working on two kind of um, flashpoints. Um, homeless data, mm -hmm. and we're starting with kind of like the cruel rock bottom of it, homeless death data. And then the other one is trend indicators around evictions. Mm -hmm. And that certainly has become um, a real hot button issue. I just did two weeks of field work in New York and rentals have gone up by 30% in about a two month period. Mm. Um, and the moratorium on evictions has has uh, disappeared. We have level of inflation now. These things are not, they're not sustainable. Mm -hmm. So the healthy city is one in which both we're using technology well, and well means there's a level of understanding and agency for everyday people, not just um, experts. And we're also um, taking some of the lessons that we learned from COVID, such as mutual aid, part of a healthy city, part of our responsibility is taking care of each other. Can, can I maybe just stay on that point? Um, the sociologist Peter Berger has, used to write in the 70s about what he called the importance of mediating institutions. That there's a certain anxiety about being the lone individual kind of uh, exposed, as it were, to government with nothing in between. And uh, we might say the same thing now, but it might be a giant technology company as much as government. And so someone like Berger would point uh, to community organizations, churches, places of worship, bowling clubs, the Kiwanis Club, whatever, like yeah. these, these other layers, neighborhood yeah. associations, PTAs, all these different yeah. things. It, it seems like we're f a far ways away from, from that kind of vision, but the concept of media mediating institutions still strikes me as important. What do they look like in a kind of micro level in a neighborhood? So you're right that I now know my neighbors in the east end of Toronto, in our particular area, much better than I did two years ago. So how, how would you encourage us? And I don't think it's an app. I don't want to have an app with that person, right? Is it just, is it just as basic as sustaining and maintaining the human connection that we were able to develop during COVID? I think that some structural engagement. Mm -hmm. So for example, we both teach at the university. Mm -hmm. And part of what we are tasked with in terms of thinking about things like equity, diversity, and inclusion mm -hmm. is who's here? Mm -hmm. Who's in the room? One of the things that we are seeing is if it were just going to take care of itself, mm -hmm. It would have already. So part of the Scarborough Charter, part of the list of directions for the university in terms of moving forward on evaluation of mm -hmm. equity, diversity, and inclusion has to do with finding and supporting. So 
recruitment and retention so we actually have a healthy university. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that is really helpful is the literature, whether you're looking at business management or sociology or economics, quite broad mm -hmm. uh, different fields, point to the clear value of having a diversity of thought. Yes. In a university, in a business, in a city. So to create healthy, which I think also would in, we would like to include thriving in there, yeah. we have to look to see where the problem spaces are. Hmm. And the problem spaces were um, made fairly vivid during COVID because you see where information is not flowing or materials are not flowing mm -hmm. or vaccines are not being taken up. And to be able to see strategic design where the city says, we're going to go with a, a van to this neighborhood yes, absolutely. and make sure people have information, have access, mm -hmm. and also, and this is so important, but it's quite often intangible, there's a sense of trusted engagement. And right now, as I mentioned, I'm doing this, this research with the city of Toronto. Um, so I've got a research contract with the technology services division. And Lawrence Ita is the new CTO for the city of Toronto. And Lawrence is coming in during COVID post sidewalk labs. And in addition to traditional values such as privacy and security, which obviously we still value, mm -hmm. he is also saying, oh, but we want equity in terms of how digital infrastructure works in the city. We want uh, civic participation. Like, we can see where we get to, mm -hmm. but for this, for this moment of kind of reopening and rejuvenation, yeah. to include this kind of insight from both our everyday experience, but also people in leadership positions, it's, it's a really interesting moment. What now? is a production of University of Toronto Communications. It's hosted by me, Randy Boyagoda, and produced by Lisa Lightborn. Follow us and listen wherever you get your podcasts.